Our topic tonight is, you know, is uh, certainties and uncertainties regarding Iran, the Arab region, and the United States, its implications. And uh, if there's any topic which is current, uh, those elements are uh, the Middle East is an endlessly complex circumstance surrounding these particular questions, a lot of moving parts. Uh, very few people in the United States come close to John Duke Anthony's understanding of the region and the various parts in it. Um, John has addressed this council before, as some of you know, 12 times, more than any other person has. Our normal uh, routine is never to invite a person a second time. <laughs> John first spoke in 1987 and uh, on the, the Gulf circumstance, and uh, the, the address that he gave uh, in 1990 in the fall uh, on the, uh, at the time of Desert Shield is, is memorable for anyone who was there. And the analysis and the policies that he talked of were essentially the ones that emerged from what is now generally regarded as the very wise uh, senior Bush uh, approach to uh, the region uh, when he exited the Iraqis from uh, Kuwait. So we've, we've, we've been, it's, it's been uh, 33 years since John first spoke here. He's uh, uh, educated us, informed us, uh, and we're deeply grateful uh, for that. Uh, you all recognize uh, the circumstances of the moment. You understand uh, the Iranian interest to us and uh, certainly the Arab region where John has been uh, a major scholar and innovator. Uh, he is the founder of the uh, uh, Council for U.S.-Arab Relations, uh, which uh, serves the purpose of enhancement of our relations with the Arab world. He's the only American who has been invited to every one of the leadership uh, conferences of the Gulf Coordinating Council. He enjoys tremendous respect within the region. He's been good enough to escort numerous State Department officers and military officers to familiarize them with the, the region. He's been instrumental in the creation of a number of other organizations, which again try to serve the cause of uh, Arab-American relations. Uh, he's been knighted. He's hugely respected within the region. He's well known here. He's addressed our State Department, our CIA, and others. Uh, in short, he's been a major American figure in that particular realm of activities. Uh, so for his public service in that area, for his help to our government, uh, uh, people are, are deeply indebted to him. Uh, it'll be an interesting evening. John is always uh, uh, interesting. It's my enormous pleasure to present to you Dr. John Duke Anthony. Uh, thank you, Dr. Bird, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, distinguished guests, um, Sam and Chelsea and others <laughs> who uh, didn't get fully uh, 
the exact name and pronunciation of those with whom I just spoke briefly. Um, it's always uh, a pleasure and an honor uh, to be invited to be here. This is uh, my favorite of all of America's uh, foreign affairs councils, and not simply because uh, of the degree uh, of uh, masochism to which its members have, <laughs> <coughs> but um, really the, the turnout in the in the leadership. If we if we need uh, no other example about what the continuity of purpose and vision and dedication to public service and information and insight and knowledge and understanding and analysis and improving one's uh, ability to fathom uh, what seem to be such incomprehensible forces, factors and other phenomena and human and world affairs. Uh, this uh, institution has no peer on the East Coast um, uh, I'm aware my numbers may be off by a few, but just under 100 uh, members of the National Council of World Affairs Organizations, <clears throat> and we've had um, relations with uh, 66 of them. So uh, like the rest of us uh, mortals, uh, none of us are bereft of blemish, uh, uh, none are devoid of defect. I've yet to meet one who's free from flaw. Uh, we have choices. Uh, we can have no end of convictions about what needs to be done, what's the right thing to do. But we all have bodily sleep needs, food needs, other needs, logistical needs. Um, and we cannot do everything or even justice to our convictions. The the best we can do is to uh, sort out uh, those that we think we might contribute something to and uh, have a commitment uh, to try to, to make a difference. However a, a marginal and uh, beyond the back of the beyond and distant, uh, not even within sight they may be, and not even known until one is, is uh, dead and gone. Uh, but here you seem to have uh, priorities in order uh, with your commitments. You could be doing any number of other things this evening. Um, and the weather is uh, inclement outside. And our situation in the uh, region is also uh, inclement. <clears throat> now, um, uh, what in the way of uh, a background context in perspective can I offer, because I have no uh, good idea of some of you who should be up here and I should be where you are taking notes. Others of you are completely new to this field or you've been involved in one of your forthcoming uh, sessions on Asia and China. Uh, boy, I would myself like to be here for that, um, as all of us would and, and should. Um, <coughs> But uh, Baltimore is uh, no uh, Johnny or Jacqueline come lately in these affairs. Uh, we were just talking about the War of 1812 um, and passing on the way up here and your signal signature role in that. And many of us are here and, uh, as citizens or inhabitants, visitors, friends of a country that's nationally sovereign, that's politically independent, and that's territorially in intact. And none of that by accident or by coincidence. 
only because enough uh, good people, uh, women and men, uh, work diligently, put their life on the line. When you see uh, photocopies of the Declaration of Independence, uh, think of yourselves uh, and, and be backward, empathetic, and ask, could you, would you, might you have so signed your name, which was in effect your death warrant there. And uh, while we use the word patriots to our foremothers and forefathers uh, there, um, in the press of, of, of London and elsewhere, we, we were terrorists. Um, uh, nothing, nothing less than that. Uh, hard to imagine, but that's what indeed we were perceived to be. So it's like being in a university from which there's no possible graduation that one tackles uh, this uh, particular region. Uh, it's like being in an uh, institution for higher education from which there's no possible graduation, only on the best of days, a murky, incomplete, and lots of summer schools and having to stay after school, no matter how many apples you might bring to the teacher. Um, now, some uh, statistical frames of reference, and you have uh, maps. And isn't it something uh, about almost all of our maps in America that uh, the region is never on one map? Uh, we have one uh, that we uh, helped commission somebody to do because we we knew it could be done, but we've never seen anyone else do it, and we're the only ones that have it there. But uh, think of it in terms of the following, uh, from Morocco to Muscat, uh, left to right, except the world's not left to right, you know. It's not up and down either, uh, except sometimes it seems so. Um, 22 Arab countries in the Arab region, uh, 28 Middle Eastern countries, and 57 uh, member states of the Organization of Islamic Cooperation, which <clears throat> is the world's highest uh, political institution that uh, focuses on the needs, concerns, interests, and objectives of uh, those of the Islamic faith, the, the fastest growing of the world's three monotheistic uh, faiths. So a little bit there on the numbers. In terms of demography, um, seven plus billion human beings, last time I checked uh, a few minutes ago. And um, here we are talking about uh, just under one, two billion uh, Muslims. Um, two billion Christians, half of those Roman Catholics, the others the various Protestant denominations, and only 15 million Jews. Yeah, I said only, because it seems like a typographical error. I mean, you almost have to suspend judgment and credulity. Could he be telling the truth? We're really just back up now in 2020 to the number of Jews in the world before the Holocaust, okay? Uh, here we're talking about more than two generations now. We're just back up to where we were. Now, how many people know that? 
and can uh, uh, receive it, process it uh, empathetically, emotionally, psychologically, personally, professionally, politically, uh, as uh, we're morally bound to do, okay? Uh, quite something. And I'm aware that just several blocks away from here is uh, your own uh, Holocaust uh, Museum. It's not just your own. It's everybody's uh, Holocaust uh, Museum. And I'm aware of previous uh, evenings and occasions when I've been privileged to be here where notionally, because people say, do you have any idea? How many people of uh, Jewish ancestry, uh, persuasion, or faith uh, are here this evening? Uh, I I don't, uh, and I wouldn't ask. Uh, But uh, more than once, people said uh, close to a third uh, would not be an exaggeration. And uh, of that number, and uh, any of you can correct me on anything I say, because I don't want to be wrong on anything if I can possibly avoid it. They have no ego hang up on, on these things either. Uh, <clears throat> there, that those uh, figures uh, are haunting and, and, and daunting, uh, of which those one-third or their children, their progeny, went through in, uh, next year in Jerusalem and uh, at Seder and Passover and Hanukkah and Rosh Hashanah and uh, other uh, sacrosanct uh, times of the year. So uh, we Americans uh, have not been accused, I think, ever of being an empathy surplus. Uh, If anything, in a court of opinion, uh, we would be deemed to be empathy deficit. Uh, This sort of comes with the package of being the world's most powerful nation, uh, a powerful economy, uh, none like it before uh, in, in history, and you would have even had to fantasize about it uh, 200 years ago if you thought it would come to this, uh, that we are number one in that regard. Even the runner-up, uh, China's economy, uh, again, the economists or statisticians can correct me on this, um, we're, what, uh, 19 trillion or thereabouts, give or take, couple of trillion. Uh, and China is uh, four trillion behind us, and that's number two. And they're galloping on the inside lane. Think of the momentum there. And if last century was the uh, American century, uh, hubris uh, run amok there, uh, I don't think you would be betting on the wrong horse if in various ways the, this century will be China's. And, and uh, you'd have to say, and, and what do you mean, what do you mean, what do you mean? Not, I don't know what I mean, but when <clears throat> we have a feeling for China uh, having something that we don't have in many ways, and we have many things that China does not have. So this is a bit on the geography and the demography and a little on the uh, economics there. But this is a, a once over here. This particular area uh, requires uh, not just empathy, and certainly not necessarily sympathy or antipathy or apathy, uh, though all of those abound as well, for the following reason. This is the one place on Earth, on planet, that we have mobilized and deployed and uh, sent more armed forces, men and women, 
uh, halfway around the planet. Uh, not once in the last three and a half decades. That would be one time too many, perhaps, from a moralistic perspective. Uh, and not twice, but three times. Three times. No other place on earth comes remotely close to that. Now, uh, one of the things I've been asked to focus on, and I'm going to try to do it one-third, 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 would be Iran, the Arab region, and uh, the United States. And with regard to the latter, America's needs, legitimate needs. We all have needs. Uh, America's legitimate uh, concerns. America's legitimate uh, interests. And America's legitimate foreign policy uh, objectives. And so if we can do nothing more than come away having a little bit more to discuss, debate, disagree on, and learn more about still, um, perhaps that time will not be uh, misspent uh, here. The um, components of the three breakdowns are not fair. Uh, Much in life is not uh, because of their 22 Arab countries, there's only one Iran, okay? There's only one Turkey, only one Israel, one Pakistan, one Cyprus, uh, one Israel. Okay, so uh, at the risk of uh, superficiality and overly impressionistic here, Iran is uh, to receive uh, a disproportionate amount of time and emphasis uh, but uh, it's uh, backed by solid rationale and by persuasive justification, uh, if you can hear me out on this. Um, uh, still, of sorts, I'm an Iran specialist. Um, my career has largely been that of an Arabist in American diplomacy, foreign relations, foreign policy, and the history of our country's uh, role and position in regional and world uh, affairs there. But in this uh, uh, particular uh, case, um, the best we can do is maybe muster an incomplete. But Iran has continued to fascinate me and many, many others. And so we're rightly interested in it, fascinated by it, and concerned uh, about its behavior, uh, its actions, its uh, positions, its policies, and um, its attitudes towards its actions and positions and policies there. So from that perspective, uh, to try to ask that you be with me on the empathetic front, Uh, because in 1964, I led a group of American uh, young educators to Iran, and I lived there with the family. Um, uh, The programs I've been involved in on student exchange have all been inside of the family, to be as much as I can their American son, uh, and for as much as I can think it through, have them as my uh, Iranian mother, Iranian father, Iranian brother, sisters, uncles, etc. Um, 
So it's an extraordinary country, and I've never uh, gotten over it or forgotten it. But I've not studied it to anywhere near the extent I have the Arab region, the 22 uh, Arab countries there, and um, to be a so-called Arabist as such. If you put yourself, or as I put myself, in the shoes of an Iranian, um, what strikes me is how in all of my 57 years of uh, focusing on this broader region, these two regions, and overlapping with other regions there, um, I've never met more than two other Americans who specialized in both. Now, he thinks... If that's true, something is really wrong with that picture. And to the best of my knowledge, it is true, except the spooky people. Of course, we wouldn't know who they are and, and um, where they're coming from, et cetera. But, of course, we have them. We need to have them. Every country does there. Um, that I only know myself, two more than myself, if something seems to be wrong with that picture, I would argue it very much is. And this is a window, among other windows, into why we are misinterpreting phenomena and why we are ourselves misinterpreted too, um, especially given the fact of what I mentioned when I left out on saying that this is the one place that we've mobilized and deployed uh, more of our armed forces, men and women, than any other place on earth, is the following. This is also the place where, in the world, we have killed more people. Not just Muslims, uh, lots of Christians, too, okay? People may be hearing that for the first time there. It's where we have also wounded more people, uh, rendered them maimed uh, for life, and the indignities and humiliations and the broken hearts and dreams and frustrations of all the things that a person uh, growing up and later thought, this is what I want to do and be with my life, but now it, it looks as though I cannot. And... Uh, Scapegoating is a humanistic phenomenon that knows no boundaries, no ethnic group or language there. Uh, but when scapegoating comes around, uh, we are in the crosshairs of uh, many of the people said, I am this way because of, uh, of America and its policies, its positions, things it did, things it did not, things that it did to my parents, my brothers and sisters, my loved ones there. Uh, my head is broken, my heart is broken, my dreams are broken, my life is broken, and uh, the footprints uh, lead to uh, Washington, D.C. Harsh, uh, one can say, undoubtedly it's harsh. Um, totally devoid of uh, accuracy, truth, facts, uh, that would be a subject uh, for debate there. So this is just the dead and the wounded. We come next to the refugees. None of us, or maybe some of us, are refugees. Yes, understandable. Uh, Baltimore has been open and beckoning and warming and welcoming uh, to refugees from 
all over the world since uh, before we were a nationally sovereign and independent country there. Um, but let's just think of uh, Iraq, because that's more recent. Uh, and earlier, Palestine, and before that, Israel, if you want to make reference to the displaced uh, Jews uh, in the immediate aftermath of the uh, liberation of Bergen-Belsen and Auschwitz and Treblinka and elsewhere, okay? Um, And that is an issue that's very much part of Iran in terms of what it thinks of us and why uh, you hear and read um, we hate uh, Americans. America's uh, the great Satan. And we hate Israel, too. And down with America, down with Zionism. And the flags are ripped apart and spat upon and, and burned uh, to the cheers uh, of untold numbers of Iranians and supporters who agree with the substance and the focus and the emotionality and the um, morality uh, embedded in those kinds of uh, incidents, okay? With regard to Iraq alone, 24 million people Iraq had before what we did on uh, March 19th, 2003, okay? Um, because of some of the positions I've had in and out of the United States government that uh, Dr. Byrd alluded to, I and 12 others were summoned uh, to a a basement in Washington, D.C., and said, could you uh, get there in 45 minutes? It's very important. And so I showed up, and um, there were three briefers. I'd never seen or heard of any of them. As a matter of fact, they didn't give their names. But they were Americans for sure. And um, I looked around of the 12, and I knew about three of the, of the others there. And uh, we wondered why we had been called there, and we were told that, look, the invasion is being moved forward 10 days. It was to be March 29th, but we're going to do it on March 19th. And because of who you are and what you are and... Uh, people th- think you uh, frame of reference on some things. We know you're going to be asked questions. Now, you need to know why we're doing this, etc. cetera. Uh, so uh, this was a shocker for all of us, to uh, put it uh, mildly there. But 24 million it was the population of Iraq mm-hmm. at the time. And we almost instantly were the root cause reason for Two million becoming refugees, external refugees, right away because of what we did. 1.3 million went right next door to Syria, and not one with a visa. The idea of, do you have a visa, would have been an insult, morally, family's family, okay, Uh, and otherwise. Three years after we did what we did, In the United States, we had allowed in a total of 28,000 Iraqis. 
and most of these were related in one way or the other to the interrogators, uh, to the drivers, to the cooks, to the bottle washers, to the drivers, uh, you name it, because we didn't have the language. We didn't have specialists on Iraq either. And uh, almost to a woman and a man, those who brought us that tragedy and travesty, not one had ever set foot in Iraq. Okay. I'm trying to think if there's an exception. The exception does not come to my mind. And I've asked them, um, because a number of them are my friends and acquaintances. If you're in the field this long, you get to meet each other here and there. And not one of them has said, no, I'd never been. I'd never been. But you were the one that argued most vociferously for us to do what we did. Yes, I know. I know. I know. And then they tried to change the subject. Jordan took in about 250,000, 400,000, okay? And then the others were Beirut and Dubai and Saudi Arabia. That's how they were spread about. Then that's only half of it. Another 2 million were what are known as domestically displaced or internally displaced, okay? That means instead of us going home tonight to wherever we're domiciled in Boston, in Baltimore, no, uh, we are lucky if we can catch a ride to uh, a cousin of somebody's mother-in-law in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, we're living out of a suitcase there. So that's another two million. That's one-sixth out of the country's entire population. Put it in American terms. It's run the empathy uh, machine. We were, at that time, under 330 million people. So that would have been um, uh, 51 million Americans made refugees, uh, dreams wrecked, shattered to smithereens. Uh, if you don't think this way or see it this way, then um, no wonder uh, there's difficulty in comprehending the implications for the United States of what we've done and what we've not done. And we were told that it was illegal, which it was, uh, in terms of international law. There was no imminent threat by Iraq uh, towards the United States nor to the legitimate interest of the American people. But we did it anyway. Okay? There's been no um, national apologies or even hand-wringing or uh, wish we hadn't have, or if we had to do it again, we wouldn't or do it differently, etc. Okay, So this gives you a little bit about the anti-Americanism there. Uh, we talk a lot about uh, being against extremists and terrorists and violence, etc., and why shouldn't we? But how many of us talk about rhetorical violence, of uh, linguistic extremism, things that are so insulting as to beg for a response in kind? Uh, we don't seem to think this way, but this is nearer to the answer of why do they hate us, quote, unquote, etc. okay? Or 
in terms of uh, moralizing, and um, uh, this is not a, a rant or rift on my country. I'm a, a veteran and a proud one. Uh, and went to a military academy, as I think was uh, mentioned here. Uh, but there are some things called right and some things called wrong. And there are things like the golden rule. Do not do unto others that which you would not have others do unto you. Okay. And there are things like the Ten Commandments. Uh, Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against uh, thy neighbor. Uh, keep holy the Sabbath, etc. Uh, we are seen as the Olympic champion of the violators of these codes of moral ethos and ethical precepts um, from the vantage point of people other than ourselves. And just as we demand that uh, others than ourselves um, understand us or see things from that point of view, um, the other side of the coin is uh, that people expect us to see things from their perspective. If you think a person's got to get a visa from um, uh, uh, Lagos or Sierra Leone or wherever, um, if she or he uh, appears to be arrogant or ignorant or uh, ill-informed about the American Constitution and how we obtained our independence, its strength, etc., just will not happen. Uh, so the other side of the coin is that we uh, need to see things from perspectives other than our own. Uh, this is sort of a windy overview here, um, but I'm trying to give you a picture of this empathy side that uh, is behind the anger uh, towards our country, our leaders, bipartisan uh, anger here, and there's no sign of it ebbing or any abatement or lessening of the depth and breadth and height uh, of this kind of a feeling. It has all kinds of implications in terms of who we are, what we are, what we want, and what we want to avoid and, and uh, prevent if it, at all possible. On the Iranian side, um, it is still... Uh, red hot for many, white hot for others, uh, of what the United States and Great Britain did in 1953 when we connived and contrived to overthrow the first democratically, peacefully, duly elected uh, government in all of uh, modern uh, Iranian uh, history. Uh, they have not forgotten about that. Uh, perhaps we're to be halfway forgiven because if you don't know something, how can you forget it uh, there? And uh, this is a situation with, uh, is it 48% uh, of Americans do not have a, have a passport? That's understandable. We are a continent almost more than a country. We have two of the nicest friends, uh, lovely in each case, the Atlantic, and uh, you know that well, in the Pacific uh, on the other side there in Mexico and Canada. No other large country is remotely as blessed as we are. 
And then that English is the lingua franca for um, uh, international uh, transactions, financial, economic, and the like. And that the lines to get a visa, if one possibly can, to study at an American university, even the Wilma Institute, my wife is the beneficiary of that, and Johns Hopkins uh, Hospital itself, the first medical school in all of uh, North America. Um, if we needed any reassurance that we're doing some things right and a lot of things right, well, there, there it is. Uh, we can have satellite photos of it yesterday, today, tomorrow, yesterday, and the day before that. So in many ways, we're still on a roll and a run uh, and with low unemployment figures compared to years past and uh, buoyancy of the economy. Again, in comparison with years past, it's barely uh, 12 years ago, was it, 2008, when T. Rowe Price and others uh, uh, were uh, rocking back on their heels in this city and elsewhere in terms of uh, the liquidity crisis and the hollowing out of the uh, trust that uh, people worldwide had at America's financial institutions there. Iran feels surrounded because it is surrounded. Uh, all of us here this evening are surrounded, but it is surrounded by the most powerful country in history and a country with uh, strategic and tactical nuclear weapons there on our submarines and uh, aircraft carriers and uh, all kinds of other uh, means of delivering death and destruction to those who would not uh, bend to a, a will. Uh, last night, um, I was at an emotional gathering to um, mourn the passing of one of America's greatest friends in last century in this one, the late Sultan Qaboos bin Said, bin Tama al-Bu Said. Uh, for half a century, uh, he ruled and reigned over Oman. And, um, and people had to give me the benefit of the doubt when I mentioned when I first went there there wasn't a single hotel in the entire country, not one motel in the entire country, not one guest house in the entire country, not one pension in the entire country, not one way station where a person could lay and rest one's head at the end of a long and weary day. So what happened? I could have turned around and left, or I could have done what I went there to do in the first place, and that was to learn. I was taken in by a community of lepers. L-E-P-E-R-S, yes. And I was fortunate uh, that they did so. Um, with their stubbed thumbs, those uh, who were thusly afflicted would hold the hymn books and those with uh, gnarled fingers like cypress trees that would turn the pages there. And so they provided uh, me shelter and food and uh, company and friendship. And though on Sundays when we prayed and sang together, uh, we all looked quite differently from one to the other. 
there, but uh, as we kneeled and sang and prayed in the sand and the sun, uh, we kneeled and prayed and sang in the sun as one. Okay? So from this uh, kind of a background, we have certain leaders and friends and partners and allies in the region uh, that are just that, uh, friends, partners, and allies. And yet you wouldn't believe it uh, if you read only our mainstream media. To this day, and we're yet perhaps to see the worst of it to come, uh, in this being an even-numbered year where rationality takes a hike that goes to the back seat and irrationality and mudslinging comes to the front through the front windshield there there but um, Muslims and Arabs are still seen as objects uh, inanimate objects uh, to be manipulated to be controlled to be watched out for to be avoided to not be extended any benefit of the doubt uh, let alone uh, a, a benefit for which others uh, would die for, literally and otherwise. Yeah. Arabs are still seen as, as mountains of money. Uh, and those in Wall Street do not want to see that mountain of money fall into the hands of one of our adversaries uh, there. And then there are still those who see Arabs as uh, objects. All of us are objects, uh, one way or another, uh, but each of us also is an actor. The two are not the same. Uh, but here they have their own legitimate needs, as do we. They have their own legitimate rights, as do we. Their own legitimate needs, as do we. Their own legitimate interests, as do we. Their own legitimate goals and aspirations and objectives, as do we. But you wouldn't necessarily know that if we were confined simply to uh, that which passes for, for what? For informed opinion. For um, established thought or for uh, so-called conventional wisdom. So we have a lot of work cut out for us. And this Baltimore Council on Foreign Affairs is uh, the best one I know of uh, to help us get to where we need to be from where we were and where we will yet remain, but for the likes of uh, Dr. Frank Bird and uh, your board, your members, your sustaining contributors and um, other endorsers. Uh, you make uh, a, an unquantifiable but nonetheless palpable uh, difference in the lives of uh, yourselves and to the degree you share what you learn here uh, with others, they benefit too. Now, a score sheet, um, and I'm being overly superficial perhaps because we have but so much time and we're trying to put out information and insight and invite your disagreements, your spirited debate and discussions and questions, uh, which I hope we'll have at least 20-some minutes uh, for. Um, 
in this uh, regard, we're yet to see the full extent of what we did to assassinate it, assassinate Major General Qasem Soleimani, uh, a revered uh, major charismatic folk hero, uh, terrorist, extremist, anti-American, uh, master strategist, tactician uh, at home and abroad. Okay, um, Many of the meetings I've already been in believe that uh, on balance we came out ahead of where we were before we did what we did. I don't agree. Okay, So where am I coming from? I believe Iran came out ahead of where it was, where we were, and that in many ways Iran remains on a roll and a run. What kind of a roll and a run? For the first time in 2,500 years at least, going back to Xerxes, Artaxerxes, Cyrus, Darius, uh, Iran has a straight shot to the eastern Mediterranean without the need for a visa. This is heady stuff. I don't know how to put it in metaphorical terms, but let's just say I'm, an, I'm a Mexican now and I'm a Mexican patriot there. And I have regained Southern California, all of Arizona, New Mexico, Texas uh, there. And I'm not going to give it back up. I lost it once before, but you're not going to take it from me a second time. Uh, if I leave you with no other thought on the empathetic front than that, then perhaps I will have contributed uh, uh, something there. This is with regard to Syria alone, where it is digging its heels in. And because uh, rhetorical flourishes can be irresponsible and threatening, but Secretary of State Pompeo, in essence, said, no, we're not leaving until the last Iranian soldier or operative or proxy or representative or agent leaves. Uh, he may have to swallow his pride or eat cake on that particular front because, and I could be wrong, but you've asked me to come here and try to share some things that I see and believe I have a feeling for there. So I don't see um, Iran even weakening its uh, situation there. I mean, when you think of Iran having fought against the Greeks there, it takes a stretch, but look it up. Uh, in the case of Lebanon, uh, the Hezbollah, which is a direct result of the Israeli invasions of Lebanon in 1978 and again in this June of 1982. Um, it's not going away anywhere either. And yet, look at the tens of thousands of people that have poured into the streets of uh, Beirut uh, there, uh, Christians and Muslims there. 17 Christian sects in uh, 
Lebanon, by the way, same number in uh, Syria there. And even Shia Lebanese taken to the streets against the government, the corruption, unemployment, and the paltry economic prospects for the near-term and longer-term future there. Well, that's Syria and that's Lebanon. Yemen, there. Uh, it would be a surprise to me if, if um, some of you could say, I've never met a Yemeni. Uh, Yemenis believe that the man in the moon, or maybe it's the woman in the moon, is a Yemeni for sure. Uh, uh, every state has them in some uh, considerable abundance and number there. Um, but the group that's written about the most are the Houthis, H-O-U-T-H-I-S. They don't refer to themselves that way. They refer to themselves as the Ansar Allah, or the, uh, the partisans, or the volunteers, or the helpers, and the ones who are at one with the Almighty. Okay? Uh, their grievances were legitimate. Um, I've been to Yemen, truth and labeling here, uh, 25 times met with its former president uh, who was assassinated and who kept it together for th- three and almost a half decades uh, before he was assassinated on December the 4th, 2017, Ali Abdullah Saleh. It's an extraordinary country. It's the, it's the most impoverished, insensibly, extensively poor, the poorest of the 22 Arab countries. And yet it is arguably the richest in terms of its culture and its poets and its architects and, ar- and architecture. Uh, one of my sons is uh, full-time. He uh, specializes in mud brick architecture. Uh, they built the world's first skyscrapers. Look it up. Shabam, S-H-I-B-A-M, okay? from the same little area that the father of a man named Osama bin Laden hailed from uh, in Yemen, okay? They are not going away either. They, they had legitimate grievances. A, we're not getting our fair share of the economic pie. B, we're not uh, represented in relationship to our numbers there. Uh, they have long since uh, stopped looking in the rearview mirror on that one there. Uh, and they are likely to hold on to much, if not most, of what they have obtained. And this is a bloody nose for us, too, and for Saudi Arabia. And for Iran, it's on the cheap. Uh, all they have to do is just needle and nibble and razor cuts here and razor cuts there, and all of a sudden we think, uh-oh, um, the balloon has gone up All that. That's three. The Iraq... Uh, even a greater prize than the other three, perhaps combined. Uh, Iraq is the gift that keeps on giving. Um, and the heads of state summits that I would go to uh, in the first several years after we invaded and occupied Iraq, uh, the joke was amongst the summiteers, it was a sick joke, was America invaded uh, Iraq and Iran won without firing a single bullet or shedding a single drop of oil there. Sad, but true, profoundly uh, true. Uh, Most 
of the Shia sites of the saints of Shia Islam are not in Iran. Only one is. Uh, the others are in either Mecca or Medina or significant numbers in Iraq. They're not going away either. Now put yourself here in terms of our own selves and what would you do if not only the parliament, which has already registered a non-binding resolution to ask the United States to leave or demand that the United States leave, what would you do if now it becomes a binding resolution, okay? Would you um, say, nope, I ain't going anywhere? Uh, it'd be a hard position to defend. So this is yet to come to a theater near us uh, with regard to Iraq. Uh, Afghanistan, likewise. Uh, the Shia of Afghanistan, about which people read very little, are being taken in significant numbers by the Iranians, and for these poor, landless, homeless Shia Afghanistanis, Afghans, they are now with land in Syria and homes in Syria, enabled by Iran. So when I say Iran is the one on a roll in the run, uh, you're getting some indications here. Um, I could keep going at some length here, but I want to hear from you, your needs, your concerns in the form of questions, if you will. Um, and I, I've tried to train my staff and myself too, uh, to ask questions that don't have a yes or no answer um, because that doesn't draw anybody out very much, substantive or otherwise. And so, um, and I work with diplomats on this too. How can we help you? How can we help you do a better job and help your mission? And they say, well, the W questions are the ones that drive us nuts. Like what? Well, who needs to do this or that? Uh, what needs to be done? Why does it need to be done? Uh, when does it need to be done? Where will we be if we do it? Where will we be if we don't do it? And sometimes even whether anything needs to be done. In other words, if it's not broken, I still try to fix it. But the one that really keeps us just one foot away from the... Uh, psychologically and otherwise impaired... Uh, domicility is the H question. How? You cannot answer that yes or no. We will, uh, <clears throat> instead of ending the program at 710, we're going to end it at 720. Okay. <laughs> to ask questions. Okay, great. Looking forward to it. Uh, but uh, you, sir, with the glasses. Uh, what will we do uh, when uh, the world weans itself off of uh, hydrocarbon fuels? And uh, Kuwait, even 30, 40 years ago, people would say that Kuwait doesn't have to worry about this. It started socking it away. Uh, you don't read much about Kuwait here in the eastern coast as you do in London because the Kuwait's investment authorities are in London. And the Queen and the Prime Ministers of Great Britain have all said all along if Kuwait were to ever withdraw its funds from here, the pound sterling would collapse overnight. Uh, so there's this linkage there. 
but the Kuwaitis have said all we have to do is wait for the postman to come for the uh, the eclipse and the dividends uh, and the interest off of those investments from long ago. Uh, but Kuwait was an outlier. Now there's Saudi Arabia for some years now and uh, Qatar. That's the pronunciation of it, by the way. People say, how do you pronounce that thing? <laughs> Qatar? Qatar? No, it's Qatar like the insect repellent there. Not that I have <laughs> stock in the insect repellent, so don't uh, pin that one on me here. Um, it um, has the world's largest sovereign wealth funds, the two of them in Abu Dhabi. Uh, Singapore has large ones, so does Norway too. So they're trying on, on this front. And so that's uh, a little bit on that front. In terms of the real allies um, uh, and economic uh, refugees, real friends, I've given a, a, an example of how uh, they came to the humanitarian aid of the devastation of these millions of Iraqis. We didn't. We caused the refugees more than any other country uh, in terms of its government's policies. As You can argue this if we want to here. Uh, but so uh, they bellied up to the bar, so to speak, and did the right thing. Uh, we didn't. In other words, they cleaned up or helped to clean up after a mess. And the same thing with Syria. Syria's millions of lives who are shattered. Um, again, it's the countries in the region that have helped far more than that we have, and Europe. Um, but some of them are having second thoughts now. Angela Merkel, what, um, uh, just under a million inside of about a, two years there. And we, again, 28,000. Um, so these are contrasts and comparisons here. It's been interesting, very interesting. There are so many, so many observations uh, which are relevant and insightful. Uh, I certainly feel that I've, uh, I've, I've, I've thought about things that I really hadn't thought about in the same way. And I thank Dr. Anthony for that. Um, I know we could prevail upon him for a lot more time and, and uh, to our benefit. Uh, but that we uh, can't do, in fairness. So let me, on behalf of all of you, uh, thank Dr. Anthony for a marvelous evening.